Amen. Open up to John chapter 1, verse 1. We are go- I've never preached a Christmas message from John, and, and it's time, because our theme this year is a new and glorious morn. We're going to John 1, 1. I've shared this story before, and when I took preaching class, they told me, hey, be careful. If you share the same story in a different sermon, and people have heard the story before, they're going to think that they've already heard the sermon too. Okay, so listen, I'm sharing the story again, but this is a brand new sermon, so don't close your Bible and say, oh, I've heard this one. Anyway, a few years ago, I was in Arizona, and I loved hiking up Camelback Mountain. Anybody been in Arizona, Camelback Mountain? Have you had a chance to hike up it before? The view at the top is unbelievable, and so we hiked up there during the day, and I knew that some people like to hike it before the sun comes up so that you can watch the sunrise, and I thought, count me in. So I texted a bunch of other pastors who were at the conference, and I said, let's do it, and everyone turned me down, so I was all alone. I was all alone. I drove to the parking lot in pitch black darkness, and check it out. Here's the picture of what it looked like uh, when I started my hike up Campbellback Mountain. There was no light. And I kind of remembered the trail. I was holding my cell phone, iPhone out with this teeny little light following it. Here's another picture. And uh, the city, as I climbed a little higher and higher, was really well lit below me. But look at the trail. I got lost a few times and I would just wait for a local to come by and help me. Here's a video of what it looked like to be climbing this before dawn. Check it out. Those lights are all people climbing the mountain. No, no, no. All right, but here's why I did it. Check it out. It was worth it because then when I got to the top, this is what I saw. And it was like, whoa, dawn. It was amazing. Here's another picture. Got to, of course, take the selfie uh, at the top. When the sun is coming up, when I got up there and I was just looking out, another guy came up with his friend because one of his friends came with him. And he got up to the top and they were breathing really hard and they sat down and as the sun was coming up, he looked to his friend and he said, and now I like to sit down and thank God for all the many ways he's blessed me. And I'm like, I want to do that too. I'm going to do that too. Dawn. Dawn is what Christmas is all about. A new and glorious morn. In John chapter 1, John talks about the light dawning and he takes us all the way back to the very beginning. And he shows us how Christmas is about light coming. It says in John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is where it begins. John gives us his purpose. And we're going to write it down together as we get into the sermon. Check. You can write this down. Believe Jesus is the Son of God and find life in His name. Believe Jesus is the Son of God and find life in His name. This is the stated purpose of the book, and the beginning of the book begins to establish that reality. Why should we trust Jesus? Why should we believe in Him? That's what the whole book is about. John 20, verse 30 to 31 says this. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Believe Jesus is the Son of God and find life in his name. Maybe you're here today and you do believe that. Maybe you've believed it for a long time. Maybe you have not believed that. Maybe you reject it or you just have never really looked into it. But the point of this message is to show you that Jesus is the dawn, the divine light of life. Now, 
if I were to say you should believe in Jesus, one thing you can say back to me is why. So go ahead and say why. And the rest of the sermon is reasons why we should believe in Jesus. The first thing you can write down is this, number one, because everything was made through him and for him. Believe because everything was made through him and for him. In the beginning was the word. What does that mean? Word, uh, logos, in the Greek is actually a fantastic concept. Word to the Greeks was the supreme, unifying, rational purpose and force behind everything. That was the word. Greeks loved wisdom and the thought that there is a thought that led to all the thoughts, the thought that there is a mind that fought everything up and that sustains that. It was to them, to them it was not necessarily personal, it was more of a concept. But Logos was the word. That was what it meant to Greeks. To Jews, the word meant the word of God. And the word of God is how the world even began. In the beginning, God said, God said. And the word of God to Jews was central to creation. Everything came from the vocal cords of God. God's word to the Jews was central in salvation. God spoke to his people through Moses and delivered them from death and slavery. The word was central in creation as salvation. And the word was central in revelation. It came from God, the word, the word. So when John the apostle says the word, the Greeks and the Jews both would understand the the hugeness of this concept. In the beginning, doesn't that sound like Genesis? In the beginning, that's where we are. Time machine, all the way back to the dawn of life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So this idea of the Word being with God and being God, He, now it's a person, was in the beginning, with God. So there you are in your time machine. Remember back to the future, the DeLorean. What, what year should we set it to? Let's set it to uh, 0. 0.0001 seconds after the world was even created. And then you show up and there's nothing. Now go a split second before that. Then what? What is there before there's anything? There's God. And he was with God before anything was made. Do you realize what this means about Jesus? Do you realize what this means? Everything came from something, and it says here, all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We go all the way back to when there's even one molecule, then we step before that and there's nothing but God. And Jesus is there. And all things were made through him and for him. That is Christ. Why should I believe Jesus is the Son of God and find life in his name? Because everything was made through him and for him. That makes him the founder of all creation. 
We love a good story of an organization being founded from humble beginnings and then growing up, right? Check it out. Here's some pictures of organizations that were founded. Disney, Walt Disney, uh, one of the biggest businesses in the world, he uh, invented Mickey Mouse and sold the first rights uh, to Mickey Mouse for like $500. <laughs> you want to use Mickey Mouse? Give me 500 bucks and we'll call it a day. Oh, how times have changed and what an empire Walt Disney built. Here's the next one. Um, Coca-Cola. Coke, such a giant business now, uh, was invented in 1886 by pharmacist John Pemberton in Atlanta, and he started it up. His concoction, his drink, uh, was brewed in his brass kettle with three ingredients, cola nuts, sugar, and cocaine. Well, hey, who doesn't like that beverage? Eventually, the fizzy soda went without the narcotic. Uh, here's the next one. Uh, this is Yankee Candle. Big time of year for the candle company. In 1969, 16-year-old Mike Kittredge used canned wax, red crayons, a milk carton, and some kitchen string to make a candle to give to his mom for Christmas. Everybody say, aw, aw. He had extra wax, so he made another one and sold it. And that's how it all began. Four years later, 12 employees moved in an old paper mill and started the Yankee Candle. Here's the next one. Uh, this is eBay. 1995, Pierre Omidyar spent an entire Labor Day weekend coding at home on his personal computer, came up with this idea for eBay. It was called Auction Web at first, then it was changed to eBay. The first thing ever sold on eBay was a broken laser pointer. <laughs> Humble beginnings! Uh, he would go on to become eBay, and $500 million worth of Beanie Babies sold on the site would put it on the map. Humble beginnings! Founders with nothing becoming everything. Hey, listen, you want to know what's greater than any founder story on earth? Jesus is the founder of all creation. From humble beginnings, there was nothing to start with, and he founded it all. It was all made by him and through him and for him. Wow. Wow. Thinking about this, I had this thought, and so I threw it on Facebook, check it out. Here's my thought. My thought is this. The whole universe came from, runs on, and races toward the glory of Christ. What a thought. Came from, and it's racing toward the glory of Christ. That's impressive. Why should I believe Jesus is the Son of God and find life in His name? Because everything was made through Him and for Him. Now, that implies, jot this down, that Jesus is eternal. He's eternal. He was in the beginning. Jesus is eternal. Do you see how this immediately rules out thinking that Jesus is one of the greats, like Gandhi, people who have transformed the world with their positive moral example? No, he built the stars. Well, right, he's just a dandy guy. No, he created the sun. I know what good things he's done for man. No, I don't think you get it. He stretched out space. Gandhi didn't do that. He's one of a kind. He's eternal. In John 17, 5, he claimed this about himself. Well, Jesus never claimed to be God, did he? John 17, 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence, get this, with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. He's eternal. He shares the same nature as God. He was there before creation. 
If anyone else claimed to be there before creation, we would laugh at them. Now, one of the most laughable figures on TV is Brian Williams because he has claimed to be places that he could not have been. So it's become a joke, a meme, where people have taken old pictures and scenarios and put Brian Williams in there and said, I was there. Check it out. Here's a few of them. Brian Williams, I was there. And some of these pictures online include, uh, there he is with Abraham Lincoln uh, and what is that, Grant or Lee. Uh, And then (laughs) there's the astronauts going up to space and Brian Williams is there. There's Moses with the... (laughs) the Ten Commandments, and they even put him in a cave drawing before time. I was there. And he, he still has not apologized for lying. He misremembered some of these things. And listen, it's laughable, the claims that he made. Sure, sure, sure you were there. Listen, Jesus stood up and said, before time began and anything was made, I was there. Either he's a madman or he's God. Either he's laughable, or he's the Lord. It's one or the other. He's eternal. Jot this down. He's omnipotent. Omnipotent means having all power. It says, he was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. This automatically rules Jesus out of being a created being. Everything that is made has a cause. Everything that begins to exist has a cause. Jesus never began to exist. He just, I am, is the name of God for a reason. I am. I just am. Sometimes people will say, have you heard this before? Well, who made God? Have you heard that? Who made God? And they use it as like a zinger, like, well, well, who made God? As a reason that we shouldn't believe in him, but we don't believe in a created God. He just always is. He just exists. He is ever existing and he is self-existent. He needs nothing to exist. He just is. Life is in him. So physical life mirrors something that's eternally true and permanent about God. He's eternal and he's omnipotent. He's not a created being. The Jehovah's Witnesses think he is a created being. If you dig down with them for a little while, which is risky, they might never leave, but they really believe Jesus is the archangel Michael, a created being. They will not say he's Lord. They will not say he's God because Jehovah, the Father, is the only God in their theology. But we believe that Jesus is omnipotent. He created everything and therefore he is not created. Here's a picture of everything that Jesus, many things that Jesus created, designed and built. Check it out. Everything that you enjoy out there in nature at the zoo, all the wonderful sights you see, those were thought up by Jesus and he made them. He designed them, he built them, he crafted them all from nothing. Therefore, creation sings of his power. Jesus is omnipotent, he's eternal, The whole universe came from, runs on, and races toward his glory. Everything was made through him and for him. And jot this down, Jesus imparted life and light to the physical world. Jesus imparted life and light to the physical world. In him was life, and the life, verse 4, was the light of men. In him was life. Jesus imparted life and light to the physical world. If you do any research in physics and biology and 
uh, how, how things work. Life cannot assemble itself. It's so sophisticated. Um, self-assembly is impossible. There aren't enough particles in the ento- entire universe with chances for life when you know DNA and you know the structure and the sequence for life to just find its way to each other. It's like shaking a box of Legos for a billion years expecting a Boeing, 7- Boeing 747 to spill out. It'll never happen. Life can't assemble itself. Jesus has life in himself, and he made physical life. And he made it to show you that life is something spiritual that's a part of him permanently. Jesus imparted life, and what good would life be without light? What good would it be if Adam was formed and made, and then God breathed on him, and then just, and then he appeared on the moon, and there was no air, and he just died? Well, I made a human. Ah! Life needs a life-sustaining environment to continue. Light is required, air. So he didn't just make life, he made a life-sustaining universe. Your physical life, you know how exciting that is, because on your birthday, everybody, even people on Facebook who don't like you that much, say, Happy Birthday! You don't mess with someone on their birthday usually, because it's time to celebrate them. Life is thrilling. We know how death works. There's a funeral. They put you in a casket. They say nice things about you, and then six feet under is where you go. We know what death means. We know when life is no longer happening, we know what happens. God never began to exist. He's always existed. Life is what he gave to us. He is alive, and he offers life that extends beyond the grave. He breathed on dust. He spoke, and light came into creation. He imparted life and light to the physical world with the life and light that was in him. Why should I believe Jesus is the Son of God and find life in his name? Well, first, because everything was made through him and for him. He's eternal, he's omnipotent, and he imparted life and light to the physical world. Well, then we fell. Adam and Eve blew it. The world fell into sin and darkness. Now what? Good news. It says in verse 5, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love it. Jot this down. Number two, he came into the world from heaven. He came into the world from heaven. The light came down. It says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. So this idea that the light, the dawn of creation, was now coming down and John the Baptist was telling everyone about it, that's Christmas. The light is coming. The light is coming down. The light is coming down from heaven. Therefore, Jesus came into the world from heaven. If I were to say, where are you from, what would you say? Well, there are many ways you can answer that. I could say all sip. I could say Payless, grew up in Payless. I could say Illinois, the U.S. of A, Earth. A lot of different ways you can answer that. You could answer according to your lineage. Well, my ancestors were from Germany. Grandma came over the boat, you know, on the boat from Poland. Or, you know, I've got a little English in me too, just a little bit. My wife is 100% Dutch, so she could say Holland. Uh, nobody you ask where are you from, is going to say, heaven! Heaven, I'm from heaven. What? 
It would be better if they said the North Pole, buddy the elf. Where are you from, the North Pole? You say heaven, and people know that you're crazy. Jesus claimed to have come down from heaven. I'm kind of a nerd. I play chess on chess.com, and it tells me who I'm playing. And I've played people on chess.com from India, Nepal, Mongolia, Saudi Arabia. One day I was playing chess, and the opponent popped up, and it said the Vatican. And I think we know who it was. And I'm telling you, he had help because he won. <laughs> Not fair. I've never played anyone on chess.com from heaven. Never. Never come up. Because people don't say they're from heaven. Unless they are. Jesus came down from heaven. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He came from heaven. Jot this down. Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecies. Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecies. It says that John came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. So John the Baptist fulfilled prophecies in the Old Testament. And why is that important? Well, it's because many imposters claim to be the Messiah. So John the Baptist authenticated that Jesus is truly the one. Prophecies like Isaiah 43 to 5, Malachi 3, 1, Malachi 4, 5 to 6 talked about how the Messiah would come and there would be a forerunner, a voice in the wilderness saying, make straight paths. This is the way of the Lord. He's coming. Suddenly in the temple, he will appear. All of these prophecies were fulfilled in Christ. And before Christ came, get this, while God spoke a lot in the Old Testament, God allowed a 460-year period of silence to happen from Malachi on. 460 years where God said nothing. He let it get real dark. He let it get real quiet before the light came. So people needed to know, now, now, they needed to know. And that's John the Baptist announcing that. When God lets things get so dark, it's because he's shining down a light from heaven, and that's what happened in the day of Christ. When I think about a light shining in the darkness, it says here, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming. I think about, uh, we bought a new house this year, and our backyard is a really nice size, and we've got two dogs, and they're naughty. So at night, when I can't see them, the two dogs go out into the yard, and they, they get into nonsense. Sometimes just sticks and stones and digging, and sometimes they find some raccoon stuff, and it's gross. And the, so anyway, I have to find ways to watch them. So I went on Amazon, and I looked for a super bright flashlight, and this is called a tactical flashlight. I want to show you how bright it is. Um, I sat the dogs down, and I said, listen, you can't get into nonsense anymore, because uh, Master now has one of these. Uh, and they go outside, you know, and they start walking around, and then I have my super bright flashlight, and I say, hey, get out of the corner, and uh, I'll watch them, and I can zoom it in, and then it gets really bright. You know, and then I can say, I see you, <laughs> shining Josh right in the eyes. <laughs> what are you doing over there? The darker it gets, the brighter this light shines, right? And so God sent the true light, which enlightens everyone, into the world. Sorry if I shone that in your eyes. It was just an <laughs> illustration. You see how Jesus was the true light coming into the world. God let everything get so dark for 460 years, and then he began speaking again. The light came down. Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecies. 
Jot this down, and therefore Jesus is the only true light from heaven. Jesus is the only true light from heaven. It says in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And it says in verse 9, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus is the only true light from heaven. Darkness, in this sense, doesn't stand for things physical. It stands for the sum total of the anguish of life. And, and boy, is that a long list. Darkness includes everything wrong with this world. Everything wrong throughout history, darkness. All of the cruel and evil things that have ever come to pass. Darkness is moral. People are wicked. There's natural darkness. Creation groans and is fallen, and there's natural disasters. Uh, darkness is medical. Our bodies are broken, and we feel the pain of the curse. Darkness is guilt. We struggle inside our hearts, inside our hearts, with the darkness that we feel because of our own sin. Darkness is relational. People hurt us. Relationships wound us, and we can't fix them sometimes. That's darkness. There's guilt. There's bondage. There's shame. There's suffering. There's evil. There's wickedness. There's, there's darkness. And the, all the anguish of the fallen human condition is summarized here. It's all, it's all summarized in dark. The worst possible things you can ever imagine. Whatever has happened in your life that you don't even want to talk about or think about or remember, that's darkness. That's darkness. Earth is a mess. We're a mess. And we need the true light from heaven to come down. He came into the world from heaven. The true light was coming into the world. Why should I believe Jesus is the Son of God and find life in His name? Number one, because everything was made through Him and for Him. He's eternal, omnipotent, and He imparted light and life to the physical world. Number two, because He came into the world from heaven. He fulfilled Old Testament prophecies, and He is the only true light. Number three, because He gives new life and light to all who receive Him. Because He gives new life and light to all who receive Him. Look at verse 10. It says in verse 10, He was in the world, and the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own people, that's the Jewish people, the promised group, He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. That's lamentable. Bethlehem, the rulers and the whole nation should have all come and, and nobody came. The shepherds had to be told to come and the rulers didn't care. Wise men had to come from afar to give him the glory. They missed it. He did not receive him. But to all who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That is new life. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because He was before me. It's a puzzling thought because Jesus was born after John the Baptist, but John recognized that Jesus lived before he lived. 
From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Because he gives new life and light to all who receive him, we should crown him Lord of all. So the word became flesh in verse 14. His work in physical creation is meant to show us that Jesus is working in spiritual creation. The life and light he gave at the beginning mirrors the life and light he must give you now, spiritually. We wouldn't have a world or a universe or even be able to take a breath if he didn't create. And spiritually, we can't come to life unless he gives us new life and we become a new creation. He gives new life to all who receive him. Jesus is therefore the spiritual source of life and light. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says this, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, that's the beginning, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So here's a few questions for you. Jot this down. Do you love darkness instead of light? Do you love darkness instead of light? In verse 10, there is a division. He was in the world, though the world was made through him, the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him. To all who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So which group are you in? Do you know him? Have you received him? Or do you not know him and have you not received him? I didn't ask if you know about him. I asked if you know him. Do you know Jesus personally? Is he your savior? Do you love light or do you love darkness? Which is it? Uh, do you just live however you want and expect God to be your servant and you live by your own moral code and even if something's wrong, you don't care? Maybe you hate God. Maybe you just don't care about God. That's what it means to love darkness. Most people who love darkness won't just tell you they love darkness. They'll just, oh yeah, I'm probably good. Yeah, I think I'm going to heaven. I've known, you know, yeah, I'm religious. They won't say, I love darkness. So you have to show them that if they don't know Jesus, they do love darkness. It's Christmas time, and of course, nobody wants to be on the naughty list. Check out this conversation between a father and a son about whether his son is on the naughty list or not. Here it is. That's why, you, that's why you're on the naughty list. I swear, trust me. Well, that's why you're on the naughty list, because, because you're being naughty right now. So you're going to be on the naughty list if you keep talking like that. Because you're being naughty, so you're on the naughty list. No, I'm not. I'm on the good list, actually. You're not, because you're, you're not, because you ain't being good. I am on the good list. If you keep saying that word again and again and again, I'm not on naughty list. Father Christmas rang me last night when I was at work yes. and said, you better tell Jackson to start being a good boy or he's going to stay on the naughty list and he won't get no presents for Christmas. That's what he said to me. So you've got to start being a good boy. You know, no, no, you won't do it, mate. What? what? You're just silly, man. Trust me, I'm not on bad list. You're on the naughty list, mate. No, I'm not. On and on and on it goes. Uh, you're, you're in one of two lines, okay? I told the kids in the little kids' sermon today that Jesus is the line leader to heaven, okay? If you're following him, you're going to heaven. If you're not following him, no matter what else your spiritual life arrangement is, you're not on the path to heaven. You're not. Jesus is the line leader to heaven. So if you love darkness, 
The day is going to come where you stand before God and there's not going to be any arguing. No, I'm not. No, I, I, belong in, I, I belong in heaven. You're not going to be able to talk your way out of that. Did you follow my son? Was he your savior? Was he your light? Yes or no. It really is yes or no. You have to evaluate where you're at. Do you love darkness instead of light? Romans 13, 12 says this, the night is far gone. The day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. That is a call for you and I to get saved and to start living in line with the life of Christ. Hey, this is such a positive message because it doesn't matter what darkness has done. Hey, darkness, put up a good fight. But Christmas lit up the earth with glory that darkness can never dim. Light wins. Earth is a mess. But do you understand? Do you understand that light in Bethlehem was the divine dawn of heaven? Do you understand that? Do you love darkness instead of light? Jot this down. Have you seen the glory of Christ and believed? It says in verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as in the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. No doubt John was thinking, as Peter talked about this too, when Peter, James, and John were taken up a high mountain and Jesus literally revealed his glory to them. He, he shone brighter than the sun. Listen, light spilled out of his pores in glory and God came down and talked. It was unbelievable. And then the glory went away for now and they all walked down the mountain and they were like, <laughs> we've seen his glory. The Bible is written by eyewitness testimony. Have you seen the glory of Christ and believed? Well, what makes Christ so special? Well, he's the only son. It says he's the only son of the Father. Jesus is the only son who has shared in the Father's nature forever. See, you and I, we have to be adopted into the family. We have to be brought in. Nothing has ever separated Jesus and the Father. They are one. That's the doctrine of the Trinity. Jesus is God. But he became flesh. He became fully man to represent God to us. Because he's God, he can represent God to us. And because he's man, he can represent us to God. That makes him the perfect mediator. Have you seen the glory of Christ and believed? And he came down. He came down. And it says here that he uh, took, uh, he became flesh and dwelt among us. If you look in the Greek, the word there is he, he like tented or tabernacled among us. He, he took on a tent. This life is described as like a tent. Jesus came down and like set up like a tent. He, it's, very, it's very humbling for the king of heaven to come down and to be like a tent roamer here on earth. It made me think about recently I went to my kid's high school and uh, it's Christian school, so they asked me to speak in chapel. And before I spoke in chapel, the tech director asked me to fill out a form to tell him what I needed and check out some of the options. One of the options he gave me was this, seating, and I could check if I wanted a stool, a chair, or an insanely large purple throne. <laughs> well, whew, how embarrassing do I want to be to my children? <laughs> Now, I didn't check insanely large purple throne, but, but then I found out they want me to come back and give the graduation speech this year, and I will be checking the box that says insanely large purple throne. <laughs> Look, when Jesus was about to come down, 
he could have checked insanely large purple throne, palace, all of the power, and he checked uh, manger, stable, carpenter. I mean, he humbled himself. He, he tented among us. So it's easy to miss his glory, but now you've heard who he truly is. And in John 8, 12, it says this, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It says in verse 16, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jot this down. Is Jesus the only way you see, know, and worship God? Is Jesus the only way you see, know, and worship God? When it says grace upon grace, and when it says the fullness of grace and truth, it was in Christ, right? It is through the truth of Christ that we are saved. And grace means unearned favor. You'll never work your way to heaven. You'll never do enough good to outweigh your bad. You'll never impress God with your religious deeds or your noble acts. Even if you hold yourself back from the big sins, that doesn't make you righteous. Jesus is the only way we can see, know, and worship God. Are you relying on the grace and the truth found in Jesus Christ? Do you understand that only Jesus can speak to you of these things? In John 8, 38, Jesus said this, I speak of what I have seen with my Father. I speak of what I have seen with my Father. Confucius might have had some good ethics for life, but he didn't get them from God's presence before he came down here. Where'd you get that teaching? The presence of the Father. Heaven? Yeah. He's one of a kind. Jesus alone can give new life and light to all who receive him. Is Jesus your light? Let me ask you this. Around Christmas time now, are your eyes wide with wonder as you behold heaven's light in Bethlehem? Is your heart melting as you see what God gloriously sent to us? Are you overjoyed that we have a chance to know God personally? Are all your fears about the future scattered as you believe God is with us? And the light of Christ will never be overcome by the darkness of earth. Is Jesus your light? Let me close with this story. Many of you have, like me, followed the headlines recently of the terrible tornadoes that ripped through um, the Midwest, Kentucky in particular. And it's heartbreaking to see the pictures, but one man's story really captures the whole ordeal. The headline read, Kentucky man rescues wife, sister-in-law from rubble of candle factory demolished by tornado. I think a hundred people were at work in a candle factory meant to bring light right into the Christmas world. Brian uh, Brooks was the guy's name. Brooks was at home lying in his bed Friday night while his daughter and granddaughter were in a bathtub with helmets, pillows, and blankets to protect themselves from the tornadoes that were on the way. A tornado ripped through nearly everything around Brooks' house in town, but his, his house was narrowly missed. Then he said, I got a phone call. It's my wife. She calls and tells me she loves me, that she's trapped, they're smashed, and she hung up. I jumped in the truck flew to the candle factory site. Here's what it looked like at night, only this was, imagine this without the lights. It was pitch black when he arrived, pitch black. And his wife and his sister-in-law were buried. I got to the factory, it was flattened. He said it was like the worst war movie you've ever seen on TV. People were screaming and I couldn't see anything. All he knew was that his wife was in there. 
She had said she was in the women's bathroom where they were sheltering, so he just started climbing through and finding people, just helping anybody I could. He said, reaching out to screaming people, being careful where he stepped, pulling workers out of the rubble. He was unsure how many he helped. Here's a picture of the rubble. And again, imagine this is what he showed up to before dawn. This without any light. Then, finally, as he was looking around, his sister-in-law screamed out, Brian! I was like, oh my God, he said, and started trying to pull, but the roof, the candle barrels, the, the bathroom walls, the rafters, everything was on top of them. He tried to pry and pull. The pipes and the poles were all too long. Then some officers got on the scene and thankfully helped him. Brooks was able to get them out. His wife and sister-in-law ended up being okay. They didn't think they were ever going to see us again. He said, I'm so grateful and he said, my prayers are for everybody who wasn't so lucky. Eight people died in the rubble. Candle factory, supposed to be producing light, fallen into darkness and disarray. That's earth. That's earth. You were born into the rubble. And Jesus came down. And you can't find your way out. He came down to rescue you. He came down to grab you and pull you up out from the crushing dark mess and to light your way to freedom forever. That's, that's Christmas. That's Christmas. Jesus is the light of the world coming into this fallen, dark world to save us, to set us free. And so I ask you, are you following him? Are you following him? Let's pray. Jesus, what a wonderful story Christmas is. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And oh, how desperately our dark world needs you. I pray, Lord, that some today who have celebrated Christmas forever, but it's just been about the tree and the lights and the presents, and it hasn't been about you. May this be the first Christmas where they truly understand that you are the light of the world, that you came down from heaven to save us. May they worship you. May they sing to you. I pray that they would ask you, even right now in their own hearts, I pray that they would say this, Jesus be my light. Jesus, be my Savior. Jesus, I worship you. Pray that they would be saved as they cry out to you from the dark, collapsed rubble. And Lord, I pray for all of us who have celebrated you for many years. Oh Lord, may it never get old. Show us again that no matter how dark our lives get, no matter how dark our hearts get, no matter how terrible things are in the world, <laughs> the darkness has not overcome it. The light is still rising. In fact, what a bold thing to say, the darkness is far gone. The light has appeared. Every day, oh Lord, no matter how much evil, wickedness happens, every day we are one degree of glory brighter we are heading to a dawn that will never go down. Thank you, Jesus, that it began in Bethlehem. We praise you and we worship you and we sing to you. It's all for your glory forever and ever. Amen.